Welcome to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. We've got a great show planned for you. It's all about Detroit Today. A little bit later, we're going to talk with the author of a new book called Detroit, an Illustrated Timeline. It takes a look at pretty much all the major events throughout Detroit's history with some amazing illustrations. We'll talk more about that, plus some of the specific events and happenings throughout Detroit's history that um, he highlights in the book. We're also going to talk a a lot about a couple of businesses here that maybe you might not expect to see in Detroit, some unique Detroit businesses that are taking advantage of the open spaces throughout the city. A little later, we'll talk with the people behind behind a winery here that is actually growing some of their own grapes in a vineyard in Detroit. But first... There's a lot of buzz around a company here in Detroit called Detroit Hives. The duo of Timothy Paul and Nicole Lindsay have purchased empty lots around the city, and they're filling them with boxed beehives. Aside from producing delicious local honey, the bees also provide environmental benefits to Detroit's ecosystem. And right now, we want to welcome Timothy Paul and Nicole Lindsay, co-founders of Detroit Hives. Welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be here. Thanks for having us on your show. I I was just so... So I was blown away when I heard about your business and what you're doing here in Detroit. Um, you know, when did you decide that you were going to pursue beekeeping of all things? Well, great question. Well, my background is in commercial photography and advertising, but it wasn't until December of 2016 that I was undertaken with a really bad cough and cold. And I tried almost everything to get rid of this cough and cold. I tried home remedies. I tried over-the-counter medication. And I even went to the doctor and uh, nothing was really working for me until I mistakenly came across the power of local raw honey mm. by way of a liquor store. It was a liquor <laughs> store in Ferndale, Michigan. It's the Nine and Hilton Market. And this, store, <laughs> this store isn't too far from uh, where I was doing a lot of my advertising work. So I mistakenly came across this store, probably just getting some snacks. And then the store owner recognized I had a really bad cough and cold. And he made a very simple suggestion. Just trying some of his local raw honey. Hmm. He stressed that it was local and raw, and he got it from a beekeeper. And he told me about how the honey offers immunotherapy by local pollens. And when you have raw honey, you have the pollen and all the enzymes inside the honey that if you consume it over time, your body gets immune to it. But also, it's the wildflower nectar that's extremely medicinal. Hmm. So I began trying this local raw honey for three weeks, and then I noticed that my cough and a lot of the mucus in my body cleared up. From there, we began studying and learning more about local raw honey that led us into learning about bees. But before we were doing that, we were already thinking about doing something with vacant lots. We thought about doing an outdoor photography studio for the community. We even thought about doing a peacock farm. Nicole and I wanted to create a unique experience that, that you can't find in the inner city of Detroit. So community res- I'm sorry, so community residents could take advantage of this. So when I got sick and thought about local raw honey, that's when Nicole suggested, let's bring beekeeping operation to the city of Detroit. So your yeah. reaction was immediately <laughs> positive, Nicole? It wasn't like, what are you talking about? No, <laughs> no. Um, at this time, we were pretty open to a lot of things. Uh, we were tapped into like a, learning about spiritual things. And so we had set in place this thing of uh, the yes. And so, you know, it wasn't a radical idea or anything. It was just like, hey, let's do this for our community. And so we continue to educate people 
about the importance of bees. Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, beekeeping is has been around for thousands of years, thousands and thousands of mm-hmm. years. Uh, there's sort of this ancient connection that humans have with bees uh, in a lot of ways. And honey, did this come naturally for you? Or did this sort of, I mean, uh, for, well, for one thing, I want to know, like, you know, when you started doing this, do you have any idea what you were doing, what you were getting into? Or <laughs> well, like, was it this calling that you knew that this is what you needed to do? Well, that's a very great question. Uh, Nicole and I had no entry or introduction to bees. I uh, didn't know anything about it. So the first thing we did was do some research on our own. We came across the Southeastern Michigan Beekeepers Association, and we spoke with the the current um, vice president at the time. God bless, he has he has passed on, but it was Rod, Roger Sunderland, and he recommended two courses here in Michigan. One was with Green Toe Gardens, and the other one was here at Sweet on Detroit. We became beekeeping uh, certified beekeepers through this program, and from there we became instant bee parents. Mm-hmm. We established the nonprofit uh, De- yeah. um, Detroit Hives. We became bee ambassadors for the Honeybee Conservancy, as well as Michigan State University certified pollinator, pollinator champions. Hmm. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. So, I mean, obviously, I think the the one question that a lot of people are probably going to have: How many times did you get stung? And <laughs> did, that, did that not did that not uh, turn you off to this immediately? Well, that comes <laughs> with the job. That comes with the job. And um, I've been stung about six times. That's a it. lot of times yeah. I've been stung. I normally don't wear a lot of equipment around. Huh. I feel that much comfortable around the bees. And a lot of times I visit other hives where. Um, the bees are probably just, I like to call it, bless me with their sting. Yeah. Um, I've kind of lost count, but I know it's more than six. Um, I got stung the first time when we were installing bees, but that didn't deter me. Um, I know they didn't mean any harm, mm-hmm. so... I think that's why, I mean, you know, I've been stung many times, but it was wasps and things like that, which are much more aggressive, right, than bees. Bees are not as, uh, they're, they're, you know, they only really sting if they feel like they're threatened, right? Right, exactly. Well, there are different types of species of bees. Some are a little bit more protective and defensive than others. Uh, Starting from the Africanized bees to you have Russian and uh, you have colonial, but also Italian honeybees. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Those are the type of bees that we keep at our at our sites, which are a little bit more docile. So with yellow jackets and wasps, they can be a little bit more protective, very similar to uh, Africanized bees as well. I think what you guys are doing is interesting that it sort of fits into a number of sort of different storylines and narratives that we're we're hearing right now. First of all, I want to talk to you about urban agriculture in mm-hmm. in the city of Detroit. There's sort of there are a lot of um, a lot of narratives surrounding this, uh, including you know uh, how it connects with uh, revitalization of the city, or um, you know there was there was a lot of oh God, I hate to say it again, mm-hmm. buzz around urban right. agriculture uh, many Absolutely. years, you know, and mm-hmm. it has been. Uh, here ever since. How do you see yourselves fitting into that picture? Did you sort of uh, think that you wanted to get into that specifically uh, as it was sort of becoming a a, a much more, uh, a, you know, sort of highlighted thing here in the city? Well, uh, with Detroit having well over, I think currently 75,000 vacant lots, the city of Detroit doesn't really have a market to place new homes in certain areas or certain neighborhoods. So they're looking for uh, local residents as well as nonprofit organizations to create low-cost, sustainable solutions to addressing that need. And I think that's where we came in play when we saw that the city has so many vacant lots, but also these vacant lots have so many wildflowers on these vacant lots. So it's been actually boosting the native bee population. But when you also have these large grasslands, there's a need to source and locally grow our own food. So a lot of these neighborhoods are suffering from food deserts. So there's a need to have urban gardens or different types of uh, food initiatives to support local food initiatives in the neighborhood as well. Hmm. Yeah, And then also we partner up with um, 
local community organizations who have projects with urban farming. So we pair our bees uh, with that organization. So when you pair bees with a urban farm, you actually get an increase in your yield. So it's been a, a great uh, relationship when we partner up with those type of organizations as well. Anyone, Absolutely. anyone yeah. who has a garden in their backyard knows, you know, get those pollinators <laughs> yeah. in, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and just to highlight some of the organizations we're working with as far as in the community is uh, Peace Tree Parks, which is another nonprofit that transforms vacant lots into community gardens. And they're helping to provide fresh organic food to the community. Another is Hope Takes Root, which is the oldest Detroit urban <laughs> farm in the city of Detroit, there you go. located in yeah. Courttown. So this partnership, like Nicole said, it helps our honeybees to have local access to local uh, groceries, which is pollen and nectar and things of that nature. But also the pollinators provide food security for us as well. I get the yeah. sense, though, that in 2019, that when you mention urban agriculture to folks, some mm. people will respond to that with sort of an eye roll, right? Like, mm. this is supposed to be like the, you know, people talk about this as saving Detroit and so forth. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it sounds like what you're talking about is just more a piece of the puzzle, right? You know, Absolutely. That, right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the, you're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. I'm sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. We're talking with Timothy Paul and Nicole Lindsay, the co-founders of Detroit Hives. We're also spending much of the hour today talking about businesses like Detroit Hives that, is, that you might not expect to see here. A little bit later, we're going to talk to the owners of a vineyard here in Detroit. You heard that right? A vineyard, of all things, here in the city of Detroit. Uh, and we're talking about beekeeping. We're talking about the sort of healing power of honey in some ways. Uh, also, the uh, you know the the ways that um, that urban farms can contribute to the city in 2019. Um, another thing that we're hearing a lot about is about honeybees. Uh, and, and die-offs of honeybees uh, across the the world, I believe, or at least here in the United States. Talk about that and how important it is to make sure that that those populations are are you know what what it would mean if they went away. Well, great that you brought that up. Honeybees are crucial pollinators. They're responsible for one third of our food population. Uh, without honeybees, we wouldn't have some of the fruits and vegetables that we eat today. Or the cost of the honey uh, of our fruits and vegetables will go up, which will really make a great impact. Um, but I think uh, one of the biggest contributors to the decline of bees is pesticides, is chemicals. And one great thing about urban beekeeping is that you have little to no pesticides here in the city of Detroit. Once again, like I mentioned, that the city of Detroit has well over 75,000 vacant lots. And these vacant lots are providing food security, safe sources for pollinators to forage from. So they are great places to boost bee population. In fact, the University of Michigan has conducted studies where they said bee populations are higher on Detroit's east side due to the vacant lots. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, Nicole, talk yeah. a little bit about how you sort of view that and sort of a, a larger national sort of um, perspective that, you know, this is something that we that is a it's a pressing issue for mm -hmm. for all of us. Yeah, um, it's definitely a pressing issue for all of us. Um, I think we need to look for more natural solutions um, instead of using so many pesticides, insecticides, or neonics. Um, bees are harming our bees, not only our uh, honeybees, but other insects. Mm -hmm. um, if people take the time to maybe designate an area in their lawn for a pollinator habitat, provide a food source for our bees, um, that could cut down that um lost in the bee population as well. So even when it comes to agriculture and growing cover crops for the bees to source on uh, will be uh, will help 
that decline as well. Hmm. Also, mm-hmm. just to add to that, I yeah. think it's time for the community to take ownership of what's happening in the environment. Too often we rely on farmers or businesses to take that initiative. I think there should be some policies or some incentives in place where we can create lawless communities or, like Nicole said, partnering habitats to address that issue. Talk about how you view yourselves as sort of educating people on these issues. I mean, obviously you're here on the show talking about it, but just being a business here in the city of Detroit, do you sense that when people come to you guys or talk to you guys, they're aware of all of the things that you sort of um, are are dealing with? Yeah, um, a lot of people don't know what's going on with the bees or why bees are so important to us or that they're responsible for one-thirds of our food. A lot of times people get bees mixed up with wasps or yellow mm-hmm. jackets. So that fear comes into place when we mention bees a lot of times in conversation and we have to let people know like, hey, no, there are two different species. Um, our honeybees or bees that are part of the Apidae family a lot of times are our pollinators that we need to produce the foods and vegetables that we love, like Tim mentioned earlier, um, if they were to die off, there would be an increase in price that we wouldn't be able to afford that luxury of having fruits and vegetables or just not having it at all. Yeah. yeah. Do you, Tim, do you also get the sense that people are, are um, aware of these issues, uh, generally speaking, when you talk with them? I think uh, there's becoming more of a, a raise awareness around what's happening to bees, but for the most part, we've been hearing that there's a decline in bees, but not really knowing why. Mm-hmm. Now we know it's the chemicals. Now we know it's contributing to a lot of the things that we put on our lawns. So there's becoming an increased awareness. But I think we still have to play our part in trying to get the residents, community involved, to show their support and doing something about it as well. And, Nicole, when you're talking about how people confuse these with, with uh, wasps and uh, and so forth, you know, I'm curious about your neighbors. You know, do do people ever get, real, like, worried, like, like okay, who are, who are these guys coming in and what are they putting in the lot next door? You know, like, what is what is the, uh, well, the reaction from it's that? It's always good to establish a relationship with your neighbors, let them know what's going on, mm-hmm. but also uh, educate them on the importance of bees and the difference between bees and wasps. And none of them know that they do have small gardens, and these honeybees will help increase the yield that they are uh, growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, like in our first initiative place that we started at, um, there's a cleaners, and then we had neighbors at next bo- next door. And the neighbors next door were trying to be helpful in preventing people from dumping over there. So the, the bigger issue w- with her was just having somebody there in that space and activating Absolutely. that um, that lot so she can no longer have to worry about people dumping over there. So she was just happy that somebody was activating that space and taking away in that blight mm-hmm. and bringing something positive um, to that neighborhood. Absolutely. Sure. And just like Nicole mentioned, that particular area on East Warren and McClellan has been served as a dumping site for over 10 years. Mm. So people have been dumping all different types of stuff on that on that property. So being able to activate that, it has been able to improve the quality of the neighborhood. Is there, and, and I'm just curious about this, is there, um, is it easier for um, you to kind of, to, to start a, a bee farm on some of these lots as opposed to having to, I assume that there's a lot of cleanup that has to be done if you want to put, if you want to grow stuff there, if you want to turn it into a, like a farm with plants and so forth, is it easier to, to find some of these lots just to put a, a bee farm on? 
Or is it? Are there other issues that I'm not taking into consideration? Here? Well, there, there are definitely no. other issues. I think yeah. uh, there's a lot of cleanup that needs to be done. Some of the right. vacant lots, like I said, they've been some have been left abandoned for years. Mm -hmm. So you find all different types of golden treasures, like uh, mattresses Tires. and couch cushions and stuff right. like that. Yeah. I'm just but, assuming that you're not doing. You don't have to do the same kind of like lead abatement things like that that you would have to do. I assume if you're going to grow crops, right. right? But a lot of the times when we growing crops, we do oh. form a partnership with like Peace Street Parks. They provide raised garden beds where we install and uh, also insert uh, topsoil, but we don't do on-ground gardening. Got you. Yeah. Um, I want to go to the phones here, but just remind everyone, you're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. I'm sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. We're talking with Timothy Paul and Nicole Lindsay, the co-founders of Detroit Hives, an urban bee farm here in Detroit. And I want to get to uh, Kieran in Brightmore. Kieran, you're yeah. on Detroit Today. Hello. Hey, Kieran, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Yeah, go ahead. Hi there. Um, I uh, I run an urban farm, and uh, well, it's it's not that urban actually. It's kind of rural out where we are in Brightmore, but we are in Northwest Detroit. Uh, the name of our farm is Beaverland Farms, and we practice uh, kind of an agroforestry. We have a lot of native insects around uh, with our mixture of trees and with our vegetable crops. But what I wanted to speak on specifically was something that I've noted over my time in the city for the last five or six years, which is um, in the sort of business realm of urban farming. The vast majority of small businesses, small agricultural businesses that I encounter are almost all uh, white and often transplants to the city. And um, I, uh, I'm interested what, what your guests think we can do um, more of to try and incentivize uh, black leadership and ownership uh, on the business side of things. Because community gardens are great, personal gardens are great, backyard gardens are great. I love all that. But um, from a business perspective, I really feel that... Um, there's uh, there's more that we need to do to try and incentivize that type of business ownership or entrepreneurial ability um, in the city. And yeah. I wondered if your guests could comment on that. Kieran, I really appreciate that call. Thank you so much for for coming out or calling up and injecting that into the conversation. Yeah, um, uh, Tim and Nicole, talk, you know, react to what Kieran is saying there. Kieran, very great, great question there. Yeah. Um, the beekeeping industry is definitely not well diverse here in Michigan. Um, but we are working to try to reach our youth. We have created a, we prototyped a youth program called Be the Change, and it's to uh, equip and empower inner city youth to become community change agents, where they too can learn how to combat vacant lots and food deserts within their own community. So we're trying to put that message out there, whether it's through social media, whether it's uh, through community meetings, but also through events. But I think, um, hmm. I think it's also good that if we also step up or I think maybe sometimes join associations and, and voice our opinion a little bit more or just get more a little bit more involved, whatever. But I think definitely going to schools and, and going to our inner city local schools and, and spreading this message is a start. Yeah. Um, everything that uh, <laughs> Tim said, I'm just thinking like maybe – I don't know, like, why? I mean, because there, I know there are, like, people who are, like, doing it in the the community as far as, like, growing gardens, but then they don't know the the business side of it. Absolutely. And so maybe, like, other organizations can maybe come in and help with that part of the partnerships. business. The partnerships, yeah, will be good. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I think overall the grand vision, a lot of yeah. people, they just want to have – Maybe a small garden. I'm not gonna speak for everyone, but mm -hmm. some people may just want to be 
want to be interested in just having a small garden in their back backyard or or you know in their own community but like what's the overall grand vision a lot of times big mm. sponsors i'm sorry big corporations want to see the grand picture they want to see a much larger vision mm. and sometimes mm. to create that much larger vision you have to form partnerships sometimes yeah, as well. yeah. or <laughs> lack of i'm sorry no no the, go ahead. um um maybe lack of opportunity like a lot of people are not um going into the community and connecting with the people who are already in that space already mm. um that could be another issue where you don't see a lot of people of color in that you know i'm sorry in that space <laughs> yeah right that space, yeah. yeah uh we have to we have to break really soon but in in just 30 seconds how can people get involved how can they uh you know get join more interactive hive. with what you're doing yeah well people can definitely join our hive by uh definitely visiting our website at www.detroithives.com as well as all of our social media outlets at detroit hives we're always looking for volunteers Always looking for someone to help with our planning and our community activities. But also, if you're looking to donate to give back to our contribution, we are we do have a five-year plan in place to revitalize 50 properties here in the city of Detroit to increase our high projection from 32 beehives to 200 highs by year 2023. And lastly, establish a learning center where we can educate the community all year round on the importance of bees. Timothy Paul and Nicole Lindsay, co-founders of Detroit Hives here in Detroit. Thank you so much for joining us. Wonderful work that you guys are doing. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Coming up, a look at Detroit Vineyards, a business bringing homegrown wine back to Detroit.